the, the more personal reason why I'm up here is, as you know, we've started this series on Samuel. And last week, Ben did the introduction and talked to us a little bit about Hannah. And Hannah struggled with barrenness for seven years. So um, I'm just going to share a couple minutes before Leonor speaks to you more about Hannah um, and how amazing she is. Um, but in staff meeting, as we've been talking about, uh, we do Bible studies before sermonating, and um, been just studying Hannah, and I feel like I've been really quiet because it resonates a lot with me. Um, my husband and I have been trying to get pregnant unsuccessfully with our second kid for like 21 months now, um, and... When I first started this process, I really kind of had that sense, like I knew, I knew God had done amazing things in my life and all around me. And so I just kind of was like, just wait, someday when you have a jillion babies, no, no, I don't want those, but (laughs) when you have another baby or, you know, like when you have those kids, how awesome is this story going to be? And it's going to be such a good encouragement. And God's just been telling me this whole time, like, you don't have to wait until then. You aren't useless until you get what you want. So I just wanted to share tonight. Um, when we had been trying for about six months, I, I didn't really know how to handle my feelings. Um, I went back and forth between trying to be super optimistic because I try really hard to be optimistic and just saying, it's nothing, you don't have to worry about it. And then going the other direction and being like, how will we ever raise money for 17 in vitro fertilization treatments? And just like, <laughs> I needed to chill out. <laughs> um, but I didn't, I didn't really know what to do with what I was feeling. And I didn't really want to talk to people because that would make it real. And I didn't want it to be real. And I didn't really know how to be honest with God. Um, I still was kind of doing my typical... Christy journaling where I would say, thank you, God, for this and this and this. Also, can I please get pregnant this month? Please, it's been forever. Um, So after just not really knowing what to do and kind of being in denial, um, last winter it just really got very overwhelming. Um, I felt like the disbelief and the isolation just started encompassing my whole life. I could fake it on the front, but I started feeling barren in everything. Um, I would hear voices that took the tiny truth that I wasn't getting pregnant, and they would turn it into lies, like, you aren't a woman, you can't produce anything, you are ineffective in everything. Um, And I got lazy, and I stopped doing life-giving things, and I started stupidly noticing Every freaking person in my life and on Facebook who is happily announcing their second kid, who had had a kid like two years after I had had a kid, and like just, oh man. Um, so I just, I really witnessed what it was like for Satan to get a foothold. Um, he took a simple little fact and he turned it into this whole identity of ineffectiveness. Um, So thankfully, God didn't let me stay there for a while. Um, After months of feeling down, I felt God calling me just to practice thanksgiving. Um, He slowly started giving me eyes that could look for goodness and joy. Um, I started just 
being more grateful for my son? Like, how could I, how could I not believe that God is good when I have this awesome kid <laughs> who plays with trucks all day and wants to talk to me about how conveyor belts work and ask me the other day before bedtime, Mom, how does my eyeball work? <laughs> and I said, I don't remember anything from biology, but we can go to the library tomorrow and we can find a book. So we did. And we also picked up a book on electricity, whatever. Um, but, I mean, there are just so many good things. And, like, the whole time, and, like, scum has been amazing. And my community and my friends. And I love being on staff. And I have an awesome dreamboat of a husband. And I can say that because he isn't here right now. So I can just really make him feel uncomfortable from afar. Um, <laughs> so um, Jesus also slowly brought people into my life who started just saying, I don't think that's how God talks to you, Christy. Um, it's really weird that when we're kind of desperate, we just pray over and over, like, God, just be near, be present, be near, be present, help me, help me, help me, help me. But then sometimes we also tend to run away from the presence of God on earth, the body of Christ. Like, that does not make sense. Why would we do that? But we do. Um, so, yeah, these people, when they came around me and when we did things like um, coming to pr the monthly prayer nights at SCUM and just talking with friends and talking to my mentor, I just, I kind of realized that I was believing a bunch of lies. Um, one, that my femininity and beauty were null and void because I couldn't have a baby. Um, that I was useless and purposeless. Three, that I couldn't hope in God and have joy in him because the one joyful thing that I hoped for every month wasn't happening. Um, and four, that God would only redeem my struggles, make me stronger in faith, and let me be an encouragement to others once I got my baby prize. Um, the last thing that happened was these people were encouraging me just to be honest with God. Like, even if it hurt, it was time to stop being numb and just <laughs> start saying that I was pissed off. You know, like, it's, it doesn't make sense. Um, and I... My journal started looking like, you know, I, can, I could say things like, I hurt. Why are you doing this? Is my kid struggling because he's an only child and doesn't have a friend? Am I less of a mom because everybody else has more than one kid and is doing lots more than I do with my life of leisure with one child? Yeah, I know that's not true. But, <laughs> but I believed it for a moment. <laughs> um, but I just like, like, God, geez, I need you. I really need you every day. So... I still have my freak-out moments, um, but I just, I desire to turn to God. I desire the body. Um, I want prayer. I want to be involved in your lives and see what God is doing because it's awesome. And if you ever want a reminder that God is active, hang out <laughs> with Christians. <laughs> um, so anyway, where we are right now, we're going kind of more deeply into the world of infertility treatments. Um, which there is hope in. Um, we would love your prayers. It may be hard now to get a kind of request saying, are you pregnant yet? <laughs> I don't know how well emotionally I could handle that every day. But um, I will try to be honest and open as we continue. And um, yeah, I, we're waiting. But in the meantime, God's good and active. And he's a good provider. And I hope this helps give you a little insight maybe on Hannah. So yes, Leonore. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing, Christy. Um, 
My name is Leonor Ortega Till. Yeah, do you have a question? There you go. Well, to be continued, awesome. Um, so my name is Leonor and I'm here on staff at SCUM and I wanted to invite Christy up to share this story because um, I think for all of us, we come to a time in our lives where we're at a crossroads and maybe you're not at that place now, but someday you will be if you're not there. And what the crossroads looks like is this. You have a heavy burden for something you want to happen or someone you want to become or something you don't want to happen that keeps happening, you have this heavy, heavy burden and this prayer for something good, and it's not happening. Time and time and time again, God is not answering this prayer. And when that happens, you can choose three responses. You can um, keep praying, like the place where Christy is in now. Keep praying earnestly. Stay at church. Stay with the body of Christ. Stay in scripture. Push it out. Look for awesome resources. Just fight it out, the good fight in honesty. Um, or you can numb yourself. You can go to TV and food or uh, a lonely, quiet place where you just turn yourself spiritually off and emotionally and relationally off and just numb everything. Or you can get angry and really, really pissed and, and bitter and, and not grow with the Lord in that area. So... Um, that's happened to me before. One of, the, one of the more recent times that this happened to me, it's kind of a silly little story, but a few years back when the economy was bad, do you remember that, hearing that all the time, like 2009, 2010? The economy was bad, and my husband, who had done a lot of jobs like coffee shop jobs, Crocs warehouse, um, worked at a uh, seed factory, mixing seed, Rocky Mountain Seed Factory, a bunch of different odd jobs, never liked his jobs, um, finally said to me after we had one child that he would like to start his own business in our garage and basement. There would be a screen printing company. And I was not happy. I thought, no, the economy is bad. Why are people going to want T-shirts, first of all? Second of all, we don't have any money for uh, the equipment. Third of all, you'd be working in our basement and garage. Fourth of all, um, I'm kind of tired of being the breadwinner. Fifth of all, I do not trust us or God that we are smart enough or competent enough to do this. I know you can, yeah, go ahead and moan. It was gnarly. It was brutal. And this was a four year fight with me and Stephen and God where I would not relinquish my pride to this would not. Even after an amazing Christian mentor said, um, we will help you with the, with the loan money. We'll help you at the beginning to get everything you need. And even after my mentor would say, shh, just trust God. Ooh, it was brutal. My faith was small in that area. And I was at a crossroads with God and bitterly praying with him through this. Um, so I bring that up because I can somewhat resonate with the place where Hannah was and Christy was, where year after year after year, you're praying for something to change. And God has a plan that is not yours. I'm sure you've been there. Um, I didn't believe that God was coming through for me, even though Stephen was faithfully listening to God and working tirelessly to make this happen. Um, maybe you felt like that. Maybe you've been asking God to have something happen for you. And the question is, how are you going to know when it happens? And secondly, are you going to give it back to him when it does happen? So um, let's pray and then we'll look at the scripture. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for Scum of the Earth Church and all the people that are here today. Thank you, Father God, that every person has their own story with you. Thank you that you are a God of story. 
Thank you that you enter into this with us. I pray, Father God, that every person, whether they're aware of it or not, has something that is bubbling right on the surface that you want them to praise you for and you want them to ask you for. You want to extravagantly give. So I pray for every person that that, that, that would come to mind as uh, this sermon goes on tonight. In your name, amen. Um, so we're continuing in our second sermon on the book of Samuel. We decided to go through Samuel because it is story. We had just got done preaching on First Peter, which is a lot of theology. And so now we're going through story, and this story ebbs and flows. And I had one of those big, fat study Bibles when I was in high school. And I remember it had like little little paraphrases of what was going on in the Bible. And it said in first Samuel, Israel was in chaos. Every person was doing what they wanted. And I got a big fat red Sharpie and wrote an anarchy symbol on that page. And I was like, yeah, everything was bad. It was horrible. There was just judges. There was no King. It was anarchy. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that's what we learned about last week. And in fact, we learned about that such, it was so bad that when Hannah came to pray, Eli thought she was drunk because people commonly were going drunk to church. And things were just, I mean, even the priests, things were corrupt at this time. So um, we're going to see how through Hannah, through one typical woman, God is going to have his story happen. King David, it's going to go, it's going to grow from one typical story and one woman. Right here we will read in 1 Samuel 1, verse 21. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She had just had her baby Samuel that she'd been praying for. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always. So remembering that Hannah had been praying for years and years for this one thing, for this baby, to conceive a child. Uh, we know that Elkanah was loyal and compassionate man. He was faithful. Every year he took his family to go pray at Shiloh. And he had another wife too named Peninnah. And she's super uncool. Because as we remember from last time, she's always on Hannah's case. Why can't you have a baby? Why can't you have a baby? Um, she's vicious. Um, but the Lord did answer Hannah's prayer and give her a son. So here we see that Hannah is reminding. Before you know, I, I guess this is wise of her to remind him now before he's weaned. It's like, where are you going? Oh, I'm just going to take the son to live. No, she's reminding him now, a few years before, get ready, because in a few years, I'm going to take him to the temple at Shiloh and present him to Eli to be raised there. You think of a baby. I don't know. How many people here are parents? Right, me too. Uh, the little toes, the little hands, the soft baby skin, some of the good and bad smells. You think of a baby. Um, and the hope that comes with a baby. And we know that Elkanah loved this wife of his, Hannah, and his baby too. And here comes this baby, and she is going to trust in her heart and prepare herself for the next few years to give him up and to present him as an offering to the Lord. She says, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. We don't know how long that weaning process was. It could have been two, three, four years uh, before he was weaned, but probably between two and three. But these couple of years, she is going to impart her character and her love and her foundation upon him. We know that for little babies, their dendrites are growing, and they say you learn so much in the first three years of your life, more than you even learn. So we kind of, these days in our society, we overwhelm them. Look, a plane. Oh, look, a banana. We try to teach them baby Einstein and all that stuff. But either way, she's probably spiritually nurturing this baby, knowing I have 
a good few years to impart my character and love upon him. She's trusting that he's going to become an awesome child and an awesome man at the temple. And one of the ways that I can kind of wrap my brain around why she would feel okay with this is the idea of sacred space. Um, I like to ask people where they feel close to God. Living in Colorado, a lot of people would say the mountains. A lot of people go up there for church camp or spiritual retreats, go stare at a mountain, at a river, at a waterfall, and it's sacred for you. You know that when you're going on this retreat or when you go to this mountaintop, you are, you're actually, before you go, you're spiritually and mentally preparing yourself to connect with God. And some people do that at the ocean. Some people do that driving in their car. Some people do that in mosh pits or goth dancing at the church. Everyone has a place where they connect with God. Sometimes it's just the shower, like I just need to zone out. But for Hannah, I envision and picture her year after year after year making the trek with her husband, mentally, spiritually, emotionally preparing herself to connect with God and worship in that way so that this place, Shiloh, became a sacred space to her. And the idea of her son being raised somewhere in that temple maybe would have given her a little bit more peace than for us we understand. Maybe there was a connection there. And yeah, on the other end, it makes absolutely no sense to me. None. Really, it doesn't. Like the idea of giving your baby up to be raised by Eli, who thought you were drunk, by corrupt sons, by, you know, world of influence outside of you. That is really gnarly faith. And it's hard for me to understand that. Um, We'd learned that Israel was in chaos, so it'd be hard for me to understand why she would want her son to grow up without her and want to protect him. And what about Elkanah? What about his fatherly rights? We're no, we know that he loved Hannah. It said he loved Hannah. You know, it doesn't say that he loved Peninnah. I don't know. Maybe that was just left out or omitted. But um, regardless, it's his child too. He is the father. What about, he's been praying for a long time too, right? All these years. And he, what is he going to do? Back in the day in Israel, couldn't he just have said, I'm the man, I'm the father. No, not happening. But in verse 23, he says, do what seems best to you. Stay here until you've weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. I am so blown away by his leadership. This is godly leadership. This is sacrificial. This is not saying, I did not hear from God. God did not tell me directly so that I could tell you what's going to happen top down. It's saying, Hannah, I know you have a relationship with the, with the Lord. I know you listen. I know you pray. And I am submitting to what you have heard. I am submitting my firstborn son to the Lord as well. And together, even though it's obedient and it's daunting to us, they form an obedient Christian family. And that's a big deal, right? That's a massive deal. It's a huge deal. It's a typical family. He's not a priest, Elkanah. He's not royalty. And yet out of him and his offspring is going to come a lot of amazing things. The rest of verse 23 tells us, So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an epaph of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. He's a priest. And she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. 
I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. After Hannah left Shiloh, she prayed. Actually, she sang. This is not just a prayer. This is a song. She sang a hymn. And it's full of theology and good symbolism. And this isn't the kind of song like, I don't know if you ever sing to the Lord and you're going back in your brain and you're singing to the Lord in your car and you're making up words that kind of rhyme and it's your own worship thing. It's not that private little ditty kind of thing. Um, it's, it, this is a proclamation for the people so that the nation of Israel could look and expound on what God is doing. Um, even though they're just a typical little family, she wants people to be blessed by her suffering blessed out of the story of what God has done. Um, Hannah thinks of Peninnah and the way the Lord's going to deal with other things, and, and she talks about God being God. So as I read this, it's kind of long, but the concept is God is God. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. Imagine she's thinking of Peninnah here, and her horn is, is Samuel. His name means asked. She named him that because she had asked for him, and God had come through. There's no one holy like the Lord. There's no one beside you. There's no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who is barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. At this time, she hasn't had a lot of children, but little sneak peek into the future, she will have more kids. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with the princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king, and exalt the horn of his anointed. And at this time, there was no king to speak of. And yet she says that he will exalt the king. And then it says, Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. And so Samuel was left there. So Hannah's song of hope and praise and symbolism that became a beautiful song is talking about how God called Samuel to be a proclamation to a nation. We see this again and again in the Bible. What about um, Isaac? You think about Isaac. His mom was so old that she laughed when she got pregnant. Super old woman, and yet this birth announcement is a big deal in the Bible. And later, we know with Isaac, there's a sacrifice, just like with Hannah. The sacrifice, Abraham tells him to go take him and to sacrifice him. Doesn't happen that way, but there's a sacrifice required. And similarly of Moses, that birth announcement, can you imagine being a mother and putting your baby in a little basket to be sent off? We see a lot of parallels. And lastly, we see a parallel. Well, there's more, but one that I want to talk about is the baby that was born in the manger. We think of Jesus' mother. 
And we think of her raising him up knowing that his destiny is somewhat different. That ultimately she also is going to have to be there when he forbears the weight of the world. And as Hannah sang this song, it became a tradition for women who are going to have these amazing children, just like Mary's song and Elizabeth's song. They sing out good theology for the people to remember. Remember the Lord. Remember what he has done. God had a plan for each of those babies and each of those individuals and that family because he also has a plan for his nation. And just like he has a plan for our nation, he has a plan for these families at SCUM, and he has a plan for each individual and each baby here at SCUM. Every single person, every individual, every family, every man and woman and child matters. Yes, it is a nation and godly leadership that changes things all over, but it begins with a baby and it begins with a family and it begins with mothers and fathers lifting up their children unto the Lord in the family home. And it begins with single men and women coming to church to become godly people in the first place. I like the cyclical nature of it. Um, a new birth is a lot like a new year. There's a lot of expectation. And in 2014, I'm wondering for some of you, for me, January is symbolic. I start to think, what is this next year going to look like? And I'm, I'm an optimist like Christy. So I'm like, this is going to be an awesome rocking year. This is the best year ever. So I don't know if you guys think that way, but, but for me, I'm thinking, okay, it's a new year. I get to look at things differently. I get to look at my talents, my relationships, my gifts, my giftings, um, and how I'm going to give those back to the Lord. I think about um, each of the people here at Scum of the Earth, and I wonder for you, what things is God brewing in your mind? What, what has he got going for 2014? And, and when this thing is weaned, when this thing is grown, are you going to give it back to the Lord? Um, you think of nursing. She nursed him for like three or four years. If, if anyone's nursed, it is an investment of self. Your hair will fall out in clumps. Your body will have no nourishment because you are investing yourself. Scum of the earth, you guys are investing yourself in things too. You're investing yourself in talents. You're investing yourself in college education. You're investing yourself in your careers. You are investing yourself in um, self-growth and maturity and scripture reading, in art and artwork, um, in travel. In a lot of ways, all the men and women I know at Scum, a lot of you are physically investing yourself um, And my hope is that you're investing yourself like Hannah so that in three or four years, you can send that blessing off. Think of a dandelion. If I hand you a dandelion and say, Lori, put this dandelion in your pocket and in four years, give it back to me. It's not going to happen. Your gift is not meant for you. That dandelion is not meant to sit in a pocket. It's meant to fly. And just like that, each of the seeds of the dandelion, your gifts are meant to why? To soar, to matter, to make change, to plant, to root. So if you think of your gifts for yourself, not much good, right? Um, but that's painful. That is painful to know that, that there's an investment of self, and it's also painful to know that sometimes we don't know exactly what God wants to do. Um, I know that the Lord has things for each of us to do. And so one of the things and one of the ways that we we think about this is that the spirit will intercede in Romans. We read that we don't know what to pray for, but the Holy spirit will help us in, in his way to know what to pray for. And later, later after I'm done with this sermon, we will have people in that prayer room to pray with you if you want to, or we can talk it out later, but please, if you're not sure what it is, let's seek it out together 
Because God is calling you to use your capital V voice. You have one. You have a capital V voice. Um, so don't hold back, especially for scum of the earth. A lot of people here have youth and time and energy and health. That's a good time to start using your capital V voice. Um, and God is extravagant. He wants to give to us in extravagant ways. Sometimes the thing we want seems like it's worldly, and so we don't pray for it. Uh, boy Jesse brought up at staff meeting that he had prayed for a motorcycle. As a father of four, praying for a motorcycle, that's massively extravagant. Massively. But God is extravagant and good. And after God, you know, blessed Jesse with that motorcycle for whatever reason, and I hope a helmet, um, he gives a lot of people rides, and he gave me an awesome ride, and I got to go up to the mountains and see God in that wonderful way going like, I don't know how fast, but it was awesome. So rad. I don't know when I'll get that chance again, Jesse, but it was so cool. Um, so sometimes it's, and it is okay to ask for extravagant things, don't we think? Um, so back to the story of Stephen, my husband. He did start out working in the screen printing company in our basement and garage. And that lasted maybe two years because every time he'd come in for lunch, I'd be like, want to hang out? And he's like, no, I got to go to work. I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, but eventually the company grew and grew, and he has like six employees now. And he's got so much business. Thank you, Broncos. <laughs> I haven't seen him all weekend. He's been making T-shirts that say Omaha, hurry, hurry, all weekend long, like thousands of them. Um, but, but he is choosing to give his company back to bless the Lord. And he felt very uncomfortable this morning when I talked about it, but, but seriously, the practices and the integrity that he has in that company and the, and the way he didn't yell at me and say, but I'm hearing from God. I remember the story of Mike and Marion when Mike wanted Mike Sayers, our head pastor, when he wanted to move to Denver to go to seminary and Mary wasn't feeling it. He waited until she was feeling it. And he loved on her instead of saying, nope, my way or the highway, I've heard from God. That is not leadership. Um, so I think of Hannah and year after year how she, she bears her heart out. And again, I ask us to really pray and listen to the Holy Spirit and ask God if there's something in the way. Recently I was praying with Katie Eagleslayer in the, in the prayer room. And I said to her, I have this burden. It's kind of like barrenness. But something's getting in the way. There's, there's, a, there's a disconnect. I can't see what I need to do to be free of whatever's holding me back from hearing the Lord. And she said, well, pray that we'll know what that is. And eventually when I prayed, I totally knew what it was. And I started to realize that I was getting dangerously close to becoming a Pharisee. Have you seen Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? And do you recall when he drinks a little bit of pop and then a little bit more pop and a little bit more pop and there's this fan up in the ceiling and he's floating, floating, floating and his head's going to be taken off and by the time he notices what's happening, it's almost too late? That's what it's like when you're going to become a Pharisee. You don't know what's happening. And no one's going to tell you because they're not even sure either. It's like this weird language thing happens. But eventually it's like judgment, judgment, gold star my faith, gold star my faith. Do things that make me look good. Do things to earn my faith. And then I'm like, ah, I'm almost a Pharisee. And, and it's scary stuff. But I started to notice that sometimes for me, there's a disconnect between my beliefs and my behaviors. And the reason I love Hannah so much and Elkanah is that their beliefs and behaviors were conjoined. Let, let me unhash this a little bit. There was a time in high school where I believed I loved the Lord. I loved Jesus Christ. I loved the scripture, but I could not behave 
like I loved him. I would not behave. I would not stop sinning. I would not give those things over. I did not trust that God was going to provide people to love me in the way I wanted to be loved. And so I received love the way I wanted. I couldn't trust that God was going to give me money. And so I received money the way I wanted to receive money. I could not trust that um, God was going to help me feel appreciated and cared for. And so all those things I sinned because I, could, I couldn't give it up to him. And so I believed, but I didn't have the behaviors. And then later in my life, I stopped believing and I just started behaving. I thought, you know what? God's not real. God doesn't really love me. So I'm going to warm this church pew. I'm going to do the right things. I'm going to memorize the Bible verses. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to do the right things. Do, 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 do in order to earn my salvation. But I don't buy it. God's not going to bless me. And therefore, my behaviors were on this pedestal. And there was no beliefs to back them up at all. I was trying to gold star my faith. And, And so sometimes there's a disconnect between our beliefs and our behaviors. And it's so important. That is where community And prayer and scripture help us because, you know, we don't have to earn this faith. We don't have to. We are holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, forgiven and holy, sinful. And that's the dichotomy of it. Even Hannah was holy, forgiven and holy, sinful. And God still used her. So uh, we're going to worship here um, in a few minutes. But I just wanted to pray for us one more time and say, I just want to keep bringing this up, that if you need prayer, Please do come to the back. We have men and women to pray for you. And please keep following up. Keep having this dialogue with the Lord. We're going to keep going through First and Second Samuel. And I pray, I do pray, that like Hannah and like Christy said and like I've gone through my own situations, that we keep duking it out with the Lord and asking him um, how he wants to bless us and how he wants to use those blessings for good. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, for the men and women that are that are like me in certain areas where there's a blockage, where there's an area that we don't know what is keeping us from hearing you. And I pray that you'd give us wisdom and discernment. And then I pray that you very kindly restore us back to you. Thank you, Father. Amen.